text this morning is John 12, verses 34 to the end of that chapter. It's page 899. Lord Jesus just explained that his soul was troubled. A voice spoke to him from heaven. And he explained that it was time for him to be lifted up. He spoke those words. And also the words of our text before his crucifixion. And then in verse 34 of John 12, we read, So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has, given him, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. As for the reading of the text. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Easter Sunday is a very big deal in every place in the world where the Christian church has had an influence, intermingling culture, commerce, and church. It is hard for anyone to miss the day. We are able to see the full spectrum of celebrations even here in Canada in our own culture. Easter celebrations are associated with spring in North America, with eggs that can break open like tombs, like rabbits, uh, with rabbits and new life, 
white flowers and get-togethers. Easter Sunday is one of the few days that even those who are Christian in name but not in life or in faith might consider entering a church building. Easter Sunday is the celebration day for many who spent 40 days in the Lenten state trying to earn merit before God by self-imposed fasting and personal sacrifices. It's a day of coming out of that, that darkness. Many English-speaking church groups will get up very early on Easter morning to watch the sunrise using a clever play on words in the English language to try to recreate the emotions and feelings of seeing the sun rise. Reformed churches, though perhaps more word-focused, also recognize the centrality of the Easter celebration as it pertains to every part of our life, closely connected to the equally special celebrations of Christ's ascension and the day of Pentecost, Christ's body loves to rejoice together over his victory over death. We love to sing the Easter songs and hymns. Many churches have special concerts for the Easter celebration. It's often a time that the church family celebrates, maybe has a special meal together. We, we even get cake today after the service as we, we gather together in, in fellowship. And if you're a guest here today, just talk to one of the ushers or the host family. You, you too can be invited for a meal, for a celebration of this special day. And together with the church of all ages, we say, He has risen. And it brings a, a smile to our lips, a song of praise in our hearts. The gospel of Christ's resurrection ensures us that our faith is not futile, that we are saved from our sins. You're saved from death. Our faith in the resurrection is the basis, the, the foundation of our worship every Sunday of the year. And brothers and sisters, regular guests, visitors, I proclaim to you the amazing gospel that Jesus Christ has destroyed death when he rose from the dead. And he continues to shine his light in all the world. This is the theme of the message this morning. Jesus, the light, saves you from the darkness of death. And we'll see that he is the light that exposes, destroys, and leads you out of the darkness of death. If we look to John 12, the the text this morning, we can see that, that in the crowd that Jesus met on the way to Jerusalem, a lot of the people there, like today, they, they understood that death destroys a lot of good things. It's a terrible thing for those who remain on the earth. And in this respect, then, we can understand why they were asking Jesus about what kind of Messiah he was. They were a little confused. They knew that Jesus was claiming to be both the Christ and the Son of Man. And so they asked, who is this Son of Man? 
And they were, they were wondering what kind of Messiah was Jesus claiming to be? How could Jesus claim to be Messiah and still preach the I need to die as a seed sermon? It certainly was a strange teaching that the king who would sit on David's throne forever, Psalm 89, the king who would make his enemies his footstool, Psalm 110, that he would be in the darkness of death. Well, if we look at Jesus' answer to the question, we'll see that he does not repeat what he has just taught them about the need for the Messiah to die. Rather, as he hears the question, he, he answers the crowd by calling them to believe in the Messiah that God sent, to trust that he entered the darkness for us and that he is the way out of the darkness. This is the most important message of Easter for the world today because the darkness is a horrible place to be. Throughout the scriptures, darkness has been associated with the realm of the evil one that leads to eternal death and eternal suffering. And although darkness is deceivingly attractive because away from the church and away from Christ in the darkness, you are encouraged and even applauded for doing whatever your sinful nature desires, Jesus explains that the darkness will cause you to lose your way in this life so that you do not know where you are going. The work of the devil called darkness in, our, in this text, can, says our Lord Jesus, it can overtake you so that you cannot see the truth who called himself the light. John highlights this point to ensure that, or to, to show that, that even the crowd's questions of doubt about Jesus as the Christ, it was uh, evidence that the darkness was encroaching. He says that their lack of faith in the one who had performed so many signs before them, it was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that many would remain blinded by their unbelief. We read that in verses 37 and following. Those who refuse to repent and believe in Jesus Christ they remain in their darkness. And eventually, we read in verses 39 and 40, they are even handed over by God to the very punishment of blindness that they had chosen for themselves. So here is our Lord Jesus Christ on the earth as we read it in John 12 before his own sacrifice. And he could see the people choosing darkness over the light of Jesus Christ, he could see it right there before his eyes. He could see the, the danger of darkness encroaching. He could see the unbelief of the crowds. He could see their deliberate decision to, to turn away from Jesus Christ rather than be put out of the synagogue. Choosing, we read, the glory that comes from man over the glory that comes from God. And that glory is a reference to Jesus Christ. Choosing the glory that comes from man over Jesus Christ. Well, knowing that the darkness is evil and longing to save them from the condemnation that they were already under, Jesus used this opportunity 
the opportunity that he had to speak to the crowd, to warn them. He says, watch out, or the darkness will overtake you. It will overcome you. And then we read, he hid himself from them so that they could know for a little while here on the earth what it's, it's like to, to live without the light of God in their midst. It's a warning like the punishment today of being withheld from the table of the Lord. But then when he came back out of hiding, Jesus urged them again. He said, believe in me. Understand that I am the light that was promised in Isaiah. When we walked in today, we saw that displayed, Isaiah 60, verse 1. He is the one who came for the people walking in darkness, like we sang in hymn 19, Isaiah 9. He had not come, says our Lord Jesus Christ, not to judge the world, for the world already was in darkness. He says, he came so that we don't remain in the darkness. Now, if you think about that, that means that if, if you don't do anything in your life toward the church, toward Christ, that means you remain in darkness. That's the starting point of our gospel preaching. But Jesus came to save the world. The gospel that we believe, that I again proclaim, is that you do not need to remain in the darkness, enslaved to the evil one under the condemnation of God. Jesus himself made the announcement. It's the theme of the message. It's, it's verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He is a light that destroys the darkness of death. The three hours of darkness on the cross was followed by the darkness of death and the grave. The women had seen the body of our Lord laid down in the tomb. The dark grave that Jesus was placed in was like a trophy for Satan who had instigated Adam and Eve to rebel against the Lord and ruin everything that was good. The grave is also like a window into Satan's dark kingdom, giving a foretaste of what life is like when people are unable to praise God with their bodies anymore. And where joyful worship with God's people in the land of the living is replaced with rotten darkness and decay. Jesus' tomb was the serpent bite that struck at the heel. And so Easter Sunday has to begin in that darkness. It began in the darkness of death and the grave. And if this had been Lazarus, or perhaps their brother or sister in Christ, we would understand why the women came on that Easter Sunday morning, weeping, bringing spices, why the disciples couldn't understand how that tomb could be empty. But it wasn't just Lazarus in the tomb. It was Jesus Christ who had been buried. Perfect God, perfect man, the one who had come down from heaven to earth for this very purpose. And so God's enemies became farmers that 
planted the author of life in the place of death like a seed about to sprout. Well, you know, that wouldn't last long. In hymn 30, we sang, it was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The light of the world in the darkness of death. And Jesus calls himself the light in our text. Light is the destroyer of darkness. Darkness never overcomes the light. Everyone has seen, everyone has seen that darkness disappears when you turn on a light in a dark room or you light a candle in the dark room. But no one has seen the light disappear. If you come into a room with a little box of darkness and open it up, light always wins. The light had to enter the darkness of God's judgment where the devil and his slaves run free in their wicked torture of the blind. He had to enter that darkness in order that he might destroy the darkness. That is how light destroys darkness. And then when the light shines, John 1 verse 5, the darkness cannot overcome it. The same way Jesus destroyed the power of death. This is the Easter gospel message, the hope, the comfort for all believers because we are clinging to that light. And what a con contrast between light and darkness. Every dark consequence of the fall was reversed in the victory of Jesus Christ. The stone was rolled away from the mouth of the tomb so that the grave could be filled with light. Death was defeated. The women's tears turned to joy. The disciples' doubts and unbelief were replaced with conviction and courage. The sun had risen, and the people walking in darkness saw a great light. For, as Zechariah says, God sent his son as the sunrise from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. We'll sing that hymn this afternoon in pre-service song. The glory of God that Isaiah had seen and that came from God did much more than just break himself free from a tomb here on earth, for he really broke a hole through the judgment and the condemnation of God that lay upon all humanity like a blanket. He not only shone the light into the darkness, but he is also the way out of the darkness, and he guides our feet into the way of peace. He entered the judgment as our substitute. He bore the judgment for us, but he was innocent so that the grave could not hold him in, his, in its grasp. And do you see why it is more important to love the glory that comes from God, that is Christ Jesus, than the glory, the praise, the acceptance that comes from men? I wonder what will happen to the authorities, verse 42, who believed in Jesus Christ but did not confess it for fear of man 
and love of glory. They believed in Jesus the Messiah, but they did not believe or understand how important it was for their own well-being. We're not able to devote, dedicate their very life to that confession. Was that lack of understanding enough to exclude them? Well, it certainly was enough reason to call them to repentance. The light shines in their darkness through the voice and teaching of Jesus Christ. And he cries out to them. We read, he cried out, he shouted, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Because he is a light who leads you out of darkness. Our Lord Jesus had explained earlier that while he was among them for a little while longer, as he made his way to the cross, he was like a light shining in the darkness. In the same way that the word of God is compared to a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in Psalm 119 that we, we sang together. Also when our Lord Jesus walked through the dark world, he was always shining. You could see his wisdom. You could see his, you could see his love. You could see his care for those around him. When people asked him what kind of Messiah he was if he had to die, his answer was to call them out of the darkness, to be beside him. He said, walk while you have the light. Although people might not have understood the physics of the thing or the theology of the cross, they could see by Jesus' life and by his love that he is the light. Jesus promised that he was able to lead the people out of the darkness. Like a person with a good flashlight might help you find your way down a treacherous path in the dark. He called the crowds to walk with him. So how can you obey that call today? You no longer can walk beside the physical form of Jesus Christ on the earth. So how can we obey this command to, to walk with him? Well, when we compare John 12, verse 35, which Jesus commands the crowd to walk with him, and compare it with John 12, verse 36, or verse 46, in which Jesus commands the people to believe in him, we can see that the two things belong together. The Jews could know that walking with Jesus, whom they could see and touch and listen to, would help them to believe in him. But from the beginning, Jesus did not want them to base their faith on the things they were seeing, but on the word of promise from their heavenly Father that Jesus was fulfilling at that moment. He wanted God's people to believe him, even without seeing believing based on the word. And even while he was still on the earth, even while he was standing there in his body, our Lord Jesus instructed the people around him in verse 47 and verse 48. He said, "Not don't just hear my words, but keep them, receive them. Previously he had said that the time for judgment had come. And now in this 
conversation recorded in our text, he explains further that the word and the commandment that he had received from his father and spoken on his father's authority, that word will judge a person on the last day. It's not the cross itself as a wooden execution tool that can save us, but it is your faith in the word, in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your faith in the one who sent him that will ensure that you don't come into judgment but pass from death to life, as you read in John 5, verse 24. Jesus shows that we cannot be saved by just clinging to his physical body or any physical representation of him or his suffering. The world would not have lost anything of spiritual significance if the ancient relics of the Notre Dame Cathedral had gone up in smoke. Walking with Jesus doesn't mean walking with a cross hanging around your neck, but it means walking with the Bible in your heart, in the eyes of your faith on Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Every time we hear the word proclaimed, or red, we come to the crossroads at which we either do the things our own way or we submit to the word of God. And Jesus calls us, even in the hour of his resurrection, to believe the proclaimed word. We walk with our Lord Jesus when we are the light and the word permeates our lives. And Jesus said that his commandment is eternal life. Immediately after telling us that Jesus told Thomas that people who believe in him without seeing him are blessed. It's in John 20. Immediately after telling us this, John says that he had written his book, the book of John, so that those who had not met Jesus personally may believe that he is the Son of God. And he says that by believing, you may have life in his name. That light may permeate your existence. We can't see Jesus' body anymore. We know he has risen. He has gone up into heaven. But we do have the proclamation of the gospel. And we can hold and study God's word for the church today. And believing in the light, our Lord Jesus says we may become sons of the light. And so when we encourage those around us to walk, come into the light, to, to walk with the light, we are inviting them into the communion of, the, of believers, the assembly of those who, who walk by the word of God, who govern their lives by this gospel. We are the sons of light. The Lord Jesus tells us that his word will shape and change us as we walk in his light. You know that as you, as you immerse yourself in the truth of the, the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, that you can see fruit. Ephesians 5 talks about that. You can see the fruit. It's found in all that is good and right and true. And so your Easter celebration is incomplete if the light of your victorious Jesus Christ received in God's word does not shine 
in your own lives. For those who truly embrace Jesus the light will receive the gospel proclamation with joy, will react in thankfulness by producing an abundant harvest of the fruit of light, blessing all those around them with what is good and right and true. And brothers and sisters, as we look at the light, we feel the urge, the desire to shine. Praise the Lord. The light has conquered the darkness, and we may live as children of light forevermore. Amen.